Episode 20 of the Small Biz Startup Essentials podcast from Side Hustle Nation, Nick Loper. Welcome to the Small Biz Startup Essentials podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Tom Claremont, and my goal is to help equip you through the personal brand small business startup process by providing you with enough tips and tools in these episodes so that your pivot through the small business startup process goes a lot smoother and you're more profitable quicker. Please subscribe to the podcast and give us a like on the platform you're using. You can go to TomClaremont.com for more information on how I can help you with your new startup. And hello again. Welcome to another episode of the Small Biz Startup Essentials podcast. Very excited to have with us today, Nick Loper. Nick is an author, speaker, side hustle guru that started out with a blog in 2009, promoting ways for people to have a part-time business and eventually built a nationally recognized and very successful full-time business. Nick is very well known all around the world. And if you want to know more information about Nick, you can go to SideHustleNation.com. Nick, thanks for being with us today. You bet, Tom. Thanks for having me. So... Tell us on how you got started. You started out with uh, a blog back in 2009, right? My gosh, it makes me feel a little bit old in the internet years. Yeah, personal <laughs> blog, 2009, learning WordPress. This was, uh, this was nickloper.com back in the day. And it was a ton of fun. It was just, you know, this practice of learning how to write, how to create content uh, for the internet. And most of this stuff, in total fairness, nobody ever read. Like I've deleted almost all of the posts from this time frame, just because, you know, that wasn't what the site was about. This was, uh, you know, pictures from our vacation, rants about current events, pictures of the dog. Like there was nothing, there, there was no coherent message uh, why somebody should follow along with this blog until probably 2013 was the, was the switch. It was like, okay, we're going to focus on the side hustle niche and, uh, and really double down on that. And that's when things started to, to take off a little bit more consistently. Wow. So how did you make that decision to pick that niche? It was the process of a little bit of soul searching where you kind of go through the questions of what do you never get tired of talking about? What lights you up? What do you want to be known for when somebody Googles you? When somebody Googles you, what are they going to find? And for me, it was this lower risk brand of entrepreneurship. I was always interested in how can you get something off the ground, like how can you go from zero to one and then reverse engineering some people who had already done that or businesses that had already done that. Like I had profiled on this old personal blog of mine, businesses like Coinstar and the International Star Registry and um, uh, restaurant.com, kind of these creative business models. There was like some penny auction stuff that was on there too. And it was really interesting to figure out, okay, this is an interesting product or service or idea. Like how does it work? How do they get traction? Where does the money come from? And that was kind of the impetus for starting the, the podcast as well, the Side Hustle Show, just to be able to point the mic at somebody else and say like, how did, how did that all work? Just out of, uh, out of curiosity. And over the years, it's been really cool to, to share those stories with, with everybody else. And, and that's what I'm doing with you. <laughs> yes. Asking how it worked for you. So what was, what, tell me about the first couple of businesses you started. The original side hustle for me was a comparison shopping site for footwear. 
It was called shoesniper.com in its latest iteration. And this was um, worked on an affiliate model. So it would pull in the catalogs from Zappos and Amazon and uh, shoes.com back in the day, like a bunch of different online footwear retailers. It would tell you where you could find the best price on those uh, that specific pair of shoes that you were looking for. We had cool like product level coupon integrations and you know all sorts of fun stuff. And it would earn a commission on anybody who ordered through the site. Say, okay, I'm gonna, these guys have my size, I'm gonna go buy them. And that was the vehicle that uh, let me quit my job. So it was three years of nights and weekends uh, toiling away at that before I felt comfortable uh, giving my giving my notice at work and say, all right, I'm gonna be a full-time online shoe salesman. And I I kind of naively thought that this this could be my thing. Like I could just, you know, do this. And uh, you know, nothing bad really had happened to the business up to that point. So I kind of had the rose-colored glasses on. But the uh, the entrepreneurial road can be a bumpy one. And some some bumps certainly came after that and eventually shut that down to focus on the side hustle nation brand uh, several years later. Wow. So after you quit your job, there were issues with your, your business and what did Tom, you do? It was, did the you... First, it was the first day I was like, I turned in the keys to my company car and, you know, had the, you know, visions of the four hour work week, margaritas on the beach lifestyle. And of all the days, Google decides, you know, your account no longer meets our quality guidelines for wow. advertising. Wow. Like, you know, you go through the seven stages of anger and denial and like, wow. well, you, you couldn't have said anything for the previous two years. Like what's been going on, Google? Wow. Wow. And that was very, because that was, you know, this site was always heavily reliant on paid traffic. And so it was 80% of the traffic and revenue gone in, a, in an instant. And so wow. it was a very stressful summer trying to get back into their good graces just so I could, you know, run the business again, what I had planned on doing. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. uh, it, eventually they came back and, you know, after making some changes to the landing pages, they say, Oh, looks like we made an error. You're good to go. Oh. I was like, Oh, Google, come on. You know, wow. it's like a total upheaval of your life, you know, because they make this little mistake and they give you, they just say, I'm sorry, you know? Um, right. You're like, well, that was, you know, 15 grand or something worth of lost revenue. And on top of that, the additional development expense and everything ended up being, you know, the improvements made to the site were, you know, over the long run, a good thing, but it was just like, oh, you know, on my first day, come on, yeah. you know, let me, let me enjoy retirement a little bit here. What, 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 what timing? So was, was there like one big event that turned it around for you? Um, one big event, you know, probably the biggest pivot point was starting the podcast. Um, and the reason that I say that is I considered myself a writer up until that point. So like you said, I've been blogging probably for four years prior to that. And the people that I was following at the time were like, if you want to have a, you know, a personally branded type of business, you're going to need to do either YouTube or have a podcast and definitely didn't want to do videos. Podcasting was the lesser of two evils. And that was an inflection point because I didn't know how to do it, didn't know what I was getting into. Like it was this kind of uncharted, uncomfortable territory to go into. But within the first year, the podcast had grown probably three times faster than the blog side, like the written content side. And so it was like, yeah, maybe there's something, maybe there's something to this. And on top of that, I think it's a more uh, valuable relationship, a more intimate relationship. If somebody's going to spend 30, 40 minutes with you in their earbuds, they're going to do that week after week after week in a lot of cases, then for example, somebody, you know, happens upon your 
blog posts through Google, through social media, for whatever reason, and they spend, you know, three and a half minutes kind of skimming the, the bullet points and stuff. Like the, the podcast is a much deeper uh, relationship building tool. And so that was a big inflection point for me. So a big part of your podcasts in, and your blog is promoting passive income, correct? Yeah, passive time leverage may be a more uh, accurate way to say it, but passive income is certainly the dream. How did you incorporate passive income uh, for yourself? Um, I think about it in probably a couple of different ways. So the first is trying to build assets that that pay you without having your direct uh, input on your time. And the shoe business was was almost there. It was kind of an example of that, right? Because it's like it could you could earn commissions. Uh, whether or not I was sitting in front of the computer, like the ads could run, the website could run, like the affiliate clicks would track and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, taking off, going skiing on a random Tuesday and, mm-hmm. you know, coming back and running the reports at the end of the day and be like, oh, hey, we made money. We weren't working today. Like this was cool. Or going to a concert, like, oh, we made a bunch of money while we were at this concert. Like that stuff is cool, but it did require a ton of maintenance and upkeep, especially in the footwear space. Cause like so much seasonality and turnover of inventory and sizes going out of stock and stuff. So there was, there was maintenance involved there, but the broader point or the broader takeaway is to try and build something that over the long run doesn't require your direct input. Maybe that's a, a certain kind of an audience-based business here that can drive traffic and earn advertising revenue, affiliate revenue. Like that's one way to do it. Another way to do it would be a service-based business without you being the the bottleneck or the service provider. So we had a guest on the show, uh, Chris Schwab, who had a cleaning service, residential cleaning service, where uh, you know he built this thing as a, he started this thing when he's still in college, um, built it to sixty grand a month revenue-wise within the first couple of years, and w- without ever cleaning a toilet or mopping a floor himself, which I thought was really uh, inspiring because it was like. Oh, because most people, myself included, like, hey, I need a side hustle idea. What should I do? Well, you know, look to your existing skills and areas of interest. He's like, I was not necessarily the world's greatest cleaner, and it didn't really matter. I felt I could play a better administrator. I could play matchmaker between customers and uh, and cleaners. Like, there's already people who know how to do this work. I just need to be a better marketer. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really inspiring. Um, and then the third thing uh, on the passive income front is... Um, you could think in, in terms of products and services as well, like, hey, write a book, create a course, like create something once, sell it over and over again. Software is like the holy grail. Software as a service, recurring revenue, you know, mm-hmm. ones and zeros over the internet. Um, and then, the, but the really, the other thing is, you know, once you have this dollar, especially if it's a dollar that you worked for, that you like traded time for money with, um, how can you reinvest that into something that, that pays you over and over again? Um, obviously like there's the, the dividend stock route and, and stuff like that, the traditional investments, the real estate. But one interesting example from the podcast archives kind of came from uh, Matt Boknock, who was a mechanical engineer in Chicago and his side hustle was repairing motorcycles. Like add on Craigslist, don't pay dealership rates. Like I know what I'm doing, you know, come on over, bring it to my garage. And it was a straight up hours for dollars, turning wrenches side hustle. But what Matt did that I thought was just genius set up a little camera in the corner of the garage, you know, filmed himself doing the repairs. I remember that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wasn't getting paid to do this, but over the course of several years of doing this, 
had this library of content for YouTube. So now he's making money on YouTube ads. He's putting together these like full engine rebuild videos that he sells as digital products. Because of his YouTube channel, he's getting approached by insurance companies to do sponsored posts or like, would you write for us at like, you know, name your price type of stuff where, uh, you know, had it, it never would have happened had he not, you know, had he not had that kind of the foresight or that, you know, really speculative investment in time where he wasn't getting paid for to try and build something a little bit more time leveraged down the road. Just taking a little break here in the middle, folks, to let you know about some free resources I have available on my website that you can take advantage of, which will help you start or grow your small business. If you go to tomclaremont.com slash resources, you'll see I have some eBooks and other downloads available for you. Startup business books I recommend, as well as other podcasts I think you'll benefit from, and some other vendor services that I recommend and have affiliations with. Please check the notes at the end of the episode for the link to all the resources I can provide. Now let's get back to the episode. When you started uh, back in uh, 2009, you said it sort of turned around for you when you revamped everything in 2013, correct? Yes. So social media has changed quite a bit since then. How do you approach social media now? What's your strategy for yourself? Uh, social media strategy is pretty is pretty limited. I'm probably not the best person on on social media, but I do do uh, a couple things. Um, the first is a community aspect, and that is primarily through the Side Hustle Nation Facebook group, which is 28,000 members strong at this point. Free community, tremendously supportive, and you know, people asking and answering questions all day long. I love this community. Um, so that's that's one aspect where it's instead of you know, one to many, like me broadcasting out through blog, podcast, email list, YouTube, it's all of a sudden it's many to many where the listeners and um, consumers of this content can now connect with each other, with you at the hub, Mm -hmm. which I think is a powerful place to be. Mm -hmm. So that's one aspect of social media. The other aspect that I look at social media is um, user to content search engines. Um, so Google being one, I don't know if you consider Google a search engine or a, a social media platform, but the other big one for me has been Pinterest. And Pinterest has, it's still an enigma in a lot of ways, like trying to figure out how to crack this egg, but a powerful search engine with some social signals built in, like how many likes and repins, like how engaging is this content? And the advantage that Pinterest has over, you know, tweeting out your latest blog post or sharing it on Facebook is it tends to last a little bit longer. There's a longer uh, half-life uh, of content on Pinterest because, because of that search engine element. Like nobody's going to Twitter necessarily to search for something that you posted six months ago. But on Pinterest, if, if that piece of content is still relevant and you've played your cards right, I think it can still be found there and can be an evergreen source of traffic. Uh, any experience with Instagram? I Instagram is kind of like the last holdout of like personal, personal social media. So it's a lot of, uh, a lot of family stuff on Instagram for me. Are you, um, have you ever done a mastermind? I have been a, a part of several masterminds and have hosted a handful uh, myself, especially kind of in the, in the early days of Side Hustle Nation, I hosted a, a paid mastermind group. That was actually one of the first ways the site made any semi-significant uh, amounts of money. It was like, uh, a, fr- a friend kind of planted this idea in my ear 
He's like, look, you've got this audience, you've got this community. I think, you know, people would probably pay to hang out with you and, you know, kind of get some guidance along the way and hang out with each other. It's like, really, really, you know, kind of the imposter syndrome sets in and you put it out there. I think I got seven or eight applications and had several people sign up for that. So it was cool. That was kind of the, one of the first ways to ring the cash register there. Right. Yes. So that's, that wasn't something that you continued with though? It became more difficult to part with that extra hour in the evenings after my first son was born. So that was okay. 2016. So I ran those for a couple of years and those groups were actually really, when, when people were showing up and taking action and being consistent and holding each other accountable, really rewarding to be a part of. And then there were other groups where, you know, you'd have attendance issues or if just people wouldn't get done or they're kind of waffling between a couple of different ideas and those were not super fulfilling. But combination of, yeah, that time became a little bit harder to part with and other revenue streams had kind of uh, risen up to pick up that slack. So it wasn't um, super devastating to, to kind of put those on pause. Mm-hmm. Okay. So looking back uh, since 2013, um, what, what would be something that you would do differently? Man, um, one of the things that took me a long time to figure out was that the, the podcast is not a business in itself. And the way, I mean, to monetize a podcast, lots of different ways to get it done, but traditional advertising method we can use as one uh, one example is really you know, the math works out to be amplitude and frequency. Uh, how many people can you reach and how often can you reach them, right? If you're trying to sell ads. And for me, with the audience that I had at the time doing a weekly show, it was like, oh, this is not, this is not going to happen for me. It's not going to work. But recognizing that the business or the podcast rather could be a content marketing channel for an ultimate business or for some, you know, behind the scenes operation, like that was the switch that flipped. And what that looked like for me in practice was trying to figure out a way to convert listeners into email subscribers because the podcast analytics are woefully like, it's such an anonymous medium, you know, people may be tuning in for months, years, and you never hear from them. They just kind of are the, the silent majority of, of your audience. What I wanted to do was have a way to communicate with those people uh, on my own terms, get something in their inbox, encourage them to check out the latest episode, kind of ascend this listener pyramid. Like, okay, you checked out one, uh, you know, maybe you really ought to subscribe, maybe you ought to forward to a friend if this was helpful and getting people in their inbox was the most effective way to do that. What that looked like for me in terms of like the offer was to create episode specific lead magnets. And what I did was episode summaries, like, Hey, you're out uh, walking the dog, you're at the gym, you're driving in your car, not in a great place to take notes. Don't worry. We did it for you. Just head on over to sidehustlenation.com slash whatever. You can download this uh, summary file, this highlight reel file with all of the guests top tips and, and go from there. That was a big inflection point for the show with it. Cause I had, that was probably 14, 15 months into the show I had built a thousand email subscribers at that time. Uh, but within three months of turning this on, it was 3,000. Within six months, it was 6,000. Wow. Within 12 months, it was 12,000. And, wow. it, and it didn't seem to cannibalize the listenership either, which is something that I was worried about. So that was um, a really big turning point. It felt like it was kind of off to the races from there. So just adding show notes? Adding... Um, like I call them the highlight reels of the show, like the the guests' top tips kind of in summary format. 
Now I've shifted a little bit in, in just publishing those on the site now for most episodes for the purposes of SEO. Um, so I'm trying to, I'm still trying to crack this code of like, what would be compelling? What would be a compelling opt-in to run today? Cause this worked really well for several years, but I, I don't know. I'm st- I kind of start to see diminishing returns on it. Maybe I should turn it back on, but I'm trying to figure out what would be, uh, what would be the most compelling thing to opt in for today? So what's the long-term goal for, for you and your business? Long-term goal, man. You know, if, if tomorrow looks a little bit like today, if next year looks a little bit like this year, like that would be okay. Like I'm having a lot of fun uh, kind of sourcing and putting together these stories, creating content, trying to learn more about Google and SEO and affiliate stuff. I learn more every week and it's been an absolute blast. Um, so long-term, like no plans to stop the show, no plans to stop doing what I'm doing. It's just, okay, the, the questions that we always ask, especially around this time of year, is how do we optimize? How do we simplify, right? How do we focus on mm-hmm. kind of the 80-20 that drives mm-hmm. the most mm-hmm. results? Mm-hmm. And, and that stuff is, is very exciting. Uh, one last question, if I could. What, what, uh, what, what's the most stressful part of, of having your own business? The most stress, it, it's become less stressful over the years. I mean, the most stressful stuff early on was just like that question, can I write my own paycheck? Like, it, it, you know, I went to, you went to college, you did what you're supposed to do, you got a decent job, and now all of a sudden you're throwing that all away and you're going to sell shoes on the internet. Uh, you know, all of that kind of plays into the, the self-doubt. Um, over the years, it, I've become more confident, like, okay, if this inadvertently burns down, um, you know, through, you know, 400 conversations with side hustle show guests too. Like, mm. I feel like I've picked up some ideas like, okay, what would you do if you had to start over? And you realize like, okay, setbacks are temporary. You can figure this out. And it was actually at a low point in, uh, in the shoe business where I was, you know, getting to the point of dusting off the old resume and saying like, I, I don't know, this just, I, I can't crack it. This just isn't working the way it used to. And my wife, bless her heart, was like, don't, don't do that. You're going to be miserable. You know, you'll figure it out. You'll figure something out. And that was, um, you know, obviously very grateful to have her support along the way. But I mean, that's kind of the, the mindset that really any entrepreneur brings to the table is this mindset of we can figure it out. Like any hurdle that comes our way, any obstacle that comes our way, just we got to figure out a way, a way past that. And, and that's what being an entrepreneur is all about. Yes, for sure. Nick, thanks for your time uh, today. How can people get a hold of you? Uh, Tom, thanks so much for having me. This was, this was fun. Uh, SideHustleNation.com is a good place to start. SideHustleNation.com slash ideas is my constantly updated laundry list of part-time business ideas. If you are uh, on the sidelines looking for something, that might be a possibility for you. And of course, we'd love to have you tune into the Side Hustle Show. Yes, for sure. And folks, don't forget that uh, there's a link to Nick's podcast on my resources page as well. Nick, very uh, thankful for your time today. Really appreciate your uh, insight and expertise. Uh, Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. That's our episode for today. Thanks for listening. Please let me know what you think of today's episode and your thoughts on the topic. Please give us a like in Apple iTunes or whichever app you're using. It helps us out a lot. 
Again, for more information about how I can help you through the small business startup process, please go to TomClaremont.com. There you'll find a free download called The 7 P's to Profitability. It addresses the issues and the elements you'll need to have a profitable personal brand business. 